Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Friday special, a podcast by Guitar Nerds. In this series, in each episode, I'll have a new guest from the world of guitars, amplification, effects pedals. We'll have brands and producers, musicians, and everything in between. I'm your host, Joe Branton, joined by our special guest, Mike Dawes, acoustic guitar extraordinaire and the twice-heralded best acoustic guitarist in the world in a title guitar reader's poll. Hello, Mike, and welcome to the show. Hey Joe, good to be here. Ah, yes, it is. Uh, it's, it's wonderful to have you on board. Now, uh, now, dear listener, if you're not familiar with Mike Dawes, he, he's certainly not your your conventional garden variety acoustic player. Mike is very much responsible for his own unique style of playing, incorporating you know tapping, double-handed tapping, percussive elements, all sorts of bananas, um, and I guess in fact his unique style and you know frankly incredible ability has seen him tour all over the world with some of the biggest artists he's hosted international guitar night events tour on sky tv's guitar style and amassed millions of youtube views uh, for his various performances and lessons um oh, there you go overview done so uh you know to kickstart things i guess was it social media and youtube in particular that you know that launched your career or was it you know was it elsewhere well, I, I'm sure everyone uh, who's had any kind of uh, quote-unquote viral video would love to think that it was all uh, everything else. But uh, but actually, <laughs> yes. Uh, my well, uh, well, when I was at university in the UK, I, I really got into this style of, of playing sort of steel string acoustic guitar. I grew up playing sort of metal and rock stuff in bands in sort of suburban Hampshire. But uh, when I moved over to the West Country, I don't know what it was about the West Country, maybe the, the farms and the <laughs> cider, but uh, I switched to the acoustic and, and really fell in love with uh, what you could do once you ditched the guitar pick and, and kind of, you know, uh, looked at the instrument as just wooden wire and kind of looked at it a bit more with a sort of an experimental eye, I suppose. And and, and during that's that time, a, I was I was I was touring a lot. Sorry, that's, that's yeah. Really and, um, interesting that it was electric guitar that you started with. Um, I, I assumed, you know, as as kind of with uh, with most acoustic players, that it's the thing that you start with and and perfect. But it was the other way around for you. Yeah, it was quite the opposite, actually. Um, you know, I remember when I first decided I wanted to play guitar, it was actually 
because the cool kid at school had one you know it wasn't a sort of uh, I was always into music you know I was playing my my parents had a keyboard and my dad played trumpet and I dabbled a bit but uh but it was I, I moved around a lot to different schools as a kid and and, and once I, I settled in a in a place that was sort of uh, well I felt like perhaps I didn't fit in it was the new school the secondary school I uh I thought hey the cool kid has an electric so I'm gonna be that guy and then we ended up starting a band and then and then ev everything kind of went from there you know but uh but no the the actual going back to your previous question the actual start of of the career did come from a one particular viral video um of a song called somebody that I used to know uh in uh, 2012 uh yeah. it opened up a lot of doors so I certainly although I haven't been very active on YouTube recently uh, actually, by the time this comes out, I'll have been getting back into YouTube because I have a lot of stuff planned and a new mm -hmm. record. But um, yeah, that uh, that particular video really did kickstart everything. And I'm very grateful for that platform. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's certainly something that it's not just been that one video for you. It seems to be that you kept coming up with ideas that were incredibly, um, incredibly successful on that platform. And I guess that's down to your very unique style. And I think... I think maybe we should open a bit by talking about that because you know, you, you know, as I as I said in your introduction, it's such a it is such a different an interesting way of playing acoustic guitar because you're so percussive with it and there's so much more, you know, involved and you know, I I I very much love acoustic guitar. I'm a <laughs> big fan of of parlor acoustics and and you know. Yeah. play finger style but i'm very much a folk guitar player and that's kind of the the start and the end of my my ability on the instrument and you've you've kind of uh addressed acoustic in a in a totally different way as as kind of an all-in-one uh band instrument as it were well well firstly that's really kind of you to say man i, I really appreciate that um i mean the, the folk thing with acoustic was a big influence for me as well because my my mum in particular would always be listening to sort of folk stuff uh, at home and uh, and actually my kind of introduction into the style was not through anyone playing with the whole percussion and and the extended techniques so much but it was uh, an amazing guitar player named Pierre Ben Susan from France I hope I'm pronouncing his name right I I don't think I am but um he he's just one of the best finger star guitar players of all time in the world still gigging still touring still making amazing records and um and I guess that kind of school of playing the more sort of traditional finger style combined with the background in sort of rock and metal music kind of culminated in this kind of weird mishmash of styles which uh, again, very influenced by players like Michael Hedges uh, and Eric Roche, who's uh, both players and no longer with us, unfortunately. But, you know, you mentioned in your introduction that uh, I have a unique style. And as much as it's flattering to say it would be a it would be silly not to acknowledge the people that uh, that certainly did experimental one man acoustic guitar weirdness long before me. And that would be uh, Michael Hedges and Eric Roche in particular uh, as influences in my my sort of progressive acoustic weirdo upbringing. <laughs> yes well it did you know i'm i'm a, a massive fan of of kind of anything that could be considered progressive and of course yeah, um you know you you that's very much been a, a cornerstone i feel like you've managed to cement loads of different genres into the things shoehorn um, <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly exactly there's certainly some very proggy elements and of course you did the the whole sort of uh moody blues 
um, toured yeah. last year. Uh, was it last year? Well, yeah. Well, uh, well. Ago, so, so I've been I've been working with Justin Hayward, who's the frontman of the Moody Blues, um, sort of classic British prog rock band. You know, um, and I've sort of been his right hand man uh, on guitar since twenty. 20- 13 it must have been god time flies about as long as you've been doing this podcast i'd imagine <laughs> yeah, yeah um absolutely. and yeah normally like once or twice a year we'll go out and do stuff and the last tour that we did was last year we had loads of stuff planned for for this year but of course you know yeah. things change um yeah. but um the great thing about that gig is that uh, he's he's kind enough to let me open the shows as well so it's a kind of dream gig where you get to sort of play your weird sort of written in your bedroom as an experiment to you know shut up a haggler, uh, heckler at the pub uh music <laughs> uh and then sort of run out to the front sign a few cds run back tie your hair up and then uh play nights in white satin so it's <laughs> it's, it's really a dream gig and, and he is just the best he is just the best i mean i hate to call him a boss even though technically he is but he is just the best boss in the world, really. Um, n- nicest guy and such a fountain of knowledge. And talk about, you know, guitar nerdy gear stuff. I mean, they were the first band to use a Mellotron, you know, really on a record. And, then you know, experimenting with stereo sound and, yeah. and all of that stuff. And, and his guitar archive on that tour is just outrageous. There's 19 different guitars on that tour. <laughs> he plays like a different a different guitar in every song. It's it's quite amazing. That, that um, is, and, uh, that, yeah, and that is actually, very uh, yeah. Yeah, it is. And he was very, uh, very kind. And he blessed me with a Tom Anderson telly uh, on the first day of the first tour, which I still play to this day. It's a fantastic guitar. So shout out to Tom Anderson for amazing guitars. Well, you do. You, you have an, an an absolutely fantastic sort of range of equipment. Like what, you know, <laughs> for for as big a gear <laughs> fanatic as I am, the the amount of equipment that you have is is uh is very attractive to me and listeners of this podcast like you well we're you, all nerds every one well, of us yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly and we could we could and definitely will go off on one about your equipment but i kind of you know before i do that i, I i'd like to talk about your your record um that you've got coming out as well um because that, oh, well, that's is, very kind of you joe well well no we, we should of course talk about <laughs> your music before because i know the rabbit hole that that i'm going to go down asking all about uh your incredible absolutely guitar, guitar yeah i've got there. a coffee next to me as well because i am fully prepared to go deep i'll go deep with you today joe. <laughs> great wonderful but, um, well that's but, what i want but yeah the uh well the new record it's actually out I want to say next week ish, October the thirtieth, um, yeah. and it's it's my it's my third album. But uh, the thing that makes this different is it's actually a live album, uh, and the reason I I uh, well I was planning on releasing a sort of live EP or something uh, this year anyway. But obviously things change in the world, and and when COVID happened, I thought, well, hey, I really want to make this this special. Um, so I consulted, um, in part, the hard drive of... St- I'm always capturing things on the road, right? No. Um, but rarely do I mix them unless it's for a specific project. So last year, I actually recorded two of my opening sets that I did with Justin uh, from the Moody Blues, right? So the Justin Hayward solo show. Uh, we did a show in New York and a show in Florida, and both of which he was recording for a sort of... Um, uh, a DVD or PBS special or something like that. And uh, I was very fortunate that I managed to convince the uh, the audio guys and the video guys to uh, just hit record on my set as well. <laughs> um, and I am so lucky that 
I'm satisfied with the playing. In fact, not just satisfied, I'm proud of the playing on those takes because I'm my own worst critic. You know, we all know as guitarists, especially guys who tour, nothing's ever good enough. But there was something about these two shows that everything just went right. And I was so glad those were captured. So um, I, I, I went back to the UK and we started mixing those. And then when COVID happened, um, I actually decided to extend it a little bit and make it a full album. So we actually have included uh, two songs from my my very first headline show in the US ever at the Iridium, uh, Les Paul's Place, the famous Iridium on Times wow. Square. And uh, and a few other, uh, another track from that first tour. But then there's also a duet of uh, the song One by Metallica uh, with a uh, an amazing guitar player called Quist. I don't know if you know Quist or have had him on the show, but uh, I don't. he's uh, he's an amazing player. He used to play for Brian Ferry from, from uh, Roxy Music, I think. Roxy amazing. Music. Um, and uh, yeah, we tracked that at a studio. It's actually sort of live in the studio. And, and anyway, I, the album is called Shows and Distancing. Shows and Distancing, <laughs> live in the USA. And um, I mean, basically, the reason that it is all done in the USA is because that country is the reason I have a career, essentially. Um, every time we tour with Justin, or more or less every time it's over there, all the international guitar night shows, tours, which are, you know, big, you know, packed theatre shows are over there. It's my management's over there. I mean, my life is over there. Any life of mine that isn't in Bristol in the UK, where I am now, is in the States. And I miss it so much. It's obviously going through a turbulent time right now um, with just everything going on in the world, including the lack of live music. So coming out next week, shows and distancing live in the USA. It's just my my sort of love letter and gratitude to the people over there and the live music fans all the world that are just needing their live music fix, you know? That, and, that's uh, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, thanks. Um, and I, I must mention, actually, that um, I'm... That a couple of days after on the 1st of November I'm going to do a live stream show as well from my home here in Bristol so um, I was going to say if there's if there's any tickets left you could pick one up but it's digital I guess there's unlimited tickets right is that how it works I don't yeah. think there's a cap no, well, exactly. There you go. You That's could be exciting. playing to you know the largest <laughs> arena in the world, or like, yes, ten, we'll... or like ten people. You know, who knows? <laughs> One of the two. But yeah, we'll yeah. we'll we'll put links in the description of this podcast, dear oh, listeners. Thanks, Joe. You're lovely. Ah, there you go. <laughs> um, but you've you actually you know it feels like you've really taken advantage of um, lockdown because of course you know not only obviously you have shows and distancing the record you know take you not taking advantage of lockdown but that <laughs> you know it's, it's certainly been influenced by that you also did um your lockdown lessons um because you're yes. quite you you know you um you're you're very active in the educational side of musicianship as well because you, well, you've got your yeah. own like original compositions taught at grade eight in yeah, the trinity it's, college it's, of music you've gone deep joe i you're a great man i, I like this go. man what a great voice he has mm. a voice a voice for podcasting and, and radio professionals everywhere uh, not a face for <laughs> a face for radio that's that's what it is yeah. Um, but yeah, so I used to be a, a guitar teacher sort of by trade and, and, and I've made a bunch of apps for guitar, you know, they're all in the app store teaching this style actually. So there's one called, I think it's percussive acoustic guitar with Mike Dawes or something and, and lots of things like that. And, but I, but what happened is when I started having some success with my own sort of creative output and getting fans through YouTube and things like that and started touring, I, I started teaching them on Skype. Um, sort of in between tours because I, I just love teaching 
But unfortunately, what happened is I realized that the internet connections at holiday inns and that are not so reliable. And, you know, scheduling <laughs> scheduling lessons. OK, well, tomorrow I'm crossing into this side of Tennessee. So that's a different time zone. So, you know, it just became so complicated. Yeah. So I opened up a few lessons just for Patreon people. But, um, yeah, I mean, I was able to now, obviously, not being on tour, open up more slots. So every Sunday, I think I have like two or three slots, like just little half an hour slots. And uh, it's great. I've had everyone from people just wanting to know about gear and or people just wanting to learn some of my tunes or even hardcore guitar te- technique nerds. But uh, but it's 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 been it's been nice to get back into that for sure. It's nice to have free time. But man, do I miss the road oh, so yeah, much. I... That's why this record's so cathartic. It's just like, I mean, I, I don't once it's out, I'm not going to be able to, you know, once it's been mastered, which it, it has at this point, um, I, I'm not going to be able to listen to it. It's going to be too much. You know what I mean? It's it's really touring's been such a big part of my life for 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 the past sort of seven or eight years. Eleven months of the year was spent on the road. Uh, wow, didn't really that... didn't really live anywhere. It was just suitcases and hotels and buses and stuff like that. So I mean, that's yeah, that sounds like the absolute the absolute dream. But yes, you know, very, you know, to to be in that position and now, of course, completely cut short. You know, you've also you've also done loads of. Um, uh, articles and, and, and things regarding tuition as well. It's not yeah. only the lessons you do, but you've written for yeah, most well, guitar magazines, I think. Yeah, I, uh, I, I I did that as well, and I and I, I still do do that a bit. Unfortunately, print magazines are having a bit of a hard time just because it's 2020. Uh, yeah. Well, not just 2020 implying anything COVID-related, just because it's, it's a digital world, you know. And I, I wrote for many years for Acoustic Magazine, but unfortunately that's no longer with us. Um, so instead, I've done a lots of video columns and things like that. So I'd go out to Manhattan and, and do some stuff for the Guitar World guys. Um, coincidentally, the uh, digital edi- editor of Guitar World lives here in Bristol. So uh, I think we're going to go see that movie Tenet at some point, that new oh. Chris Nolan movie, which is, by the time this comes out, will have probably been oh, released news, and yeah. hopefully not critically panned. Um, <laughs> uh, no spoilers, please. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, no, it's 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 nice to keep busy. But but to be very honest, this 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 transition into the COVID life has been absolutely, it's like the upside down on Stranger Things, you know? I, it's, it's, I it's have no doubt. It's completely different. It's a very unusual and, and odd situation, but uh, we're all you in know, it together, that's for sure. On a, on a lot of these Friday specials, I I talk to um, brands, um, hmm. you know, more than anything else, luthiers and things like that. And certainly when it comes to uh, luthiers or pedal makers and, you know, over the last five, six months since we've been in this COVID situation, they're all loving the amount of extra sales that they've had. <laughs> and it's been it's been kind of like a, a conversation of, well, yes, everything is terrible, but it's wonderful that we're selling more things. And right. so it's, uh, you, you know, you, you're... Um, you're you're one of the first people we've spoken to that's obviously really been hit by it, and that you know that it, it's terrible that this has prevented you from touring. It's wonderful that you're taking advantage of it as much as you are with the with the lessons and with the record. I'm glad that you're sort of turning that into a positive as much as it can be. Yeah, well, I, I mean, you, you've you've got to, but um, you know, it's it it is it is. It, well, it was very, very tough, and it, and it still is, you know, because there's there's artists that tour, but then there's artists that live out of a suitcase, and I was certainly one mm. of the ones that lived out of the suitcase. Yeah. And, and and one of the things that that made it extra unusual is that by sheer coincidence, I um I committed to buying my first house just as this started, so I signed <laughs> the the contract I think in in a Best Western hotel lobby in like Idaho. 
um, on in February, right? And and the move-in day was the scheduled for the twenty third of March, right? Um, so obviously, when I came back, um, you know, and various decisions around that house, such as okay, well, the furniture is going to come from here, and guess what? It doesn't matter. I'm going away on this tour, so I won't get that because I've got this coming in and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, that was a bit, a bit, uh, a bit strange and a bit <laughs> of a traumatic uh, kind of. I've just sunk everything into a house and now there's no work. <laughs> what am I going to do? But uh, yeah. You you've stayed in Bristol uh, for that as well. I have. Yes, yes. Oh, well, wonderful. I so I was born in Bristol but never really lived here. I grew up in Hampshire, but since touring started I was generally kind of the musician who uh, kind of crashed with his girlfriend when he came home kind of thing, nice. you know. The butt of every kind of drama joke, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um but yeah, so it it has been a huge thing. I was and I'm I'm perfectly happy to be candid about it because I think it's important for for people to understand. I know your listeners understand, but things like how the general mainstream uh public the media the government things like that tend to or it feels like they tend to forget about the people that slip through the cracks and certainly yeah, the the self-employed touring community i really feel for them all and other musicians that i've spoken to are in the same situation you know we overnight we lose 85 percent of our annual income and then we have to build a business from scratch from that you know absolutely, so absolutely. It's, it's, it's crazy but all the love to everyone who's thriving it's not like we're bitter i mean the music community everyone's in it together and everyone wants everyone to succeed so um please please support your your luthiers and your you know buy your gear and and, and subscribe to your things and you know we're all creatives and uh we have we have the internet and we have these amazing tools at our fingertips and we have toman and we have andertons and all this stuff you know yeah absolutely. Um, it's an ama- this is the best time in history to have a pandemic i'll tell you that if you're a nerd <laughs> or, or anyone you know there you go that's that's very true yeah. but you know actually you know on that note i'm i'm very much at the moment a a a big fan of um of british gear and i'm trying to i'm trying to put together sort of more podcasts and series and get more guests from the uh the you know british luthiers british amp makers pedal builders that sort of thing yeah, yeah. because i think it's a it's a scene that um that's that often sits in the shadow of all the absolutely incredible stuff coming out of the the states um but bristol uh is actually a fantastic city for that sort of thing. I mean, a city very close to my heart, where the, all the guitar nerds are from Brighton, which is, of course, yeah. the the other version the other of Bristol. Br- it is, yeah. it is. I mean, if you're, <laughs> if you're listening to this from overseas and you're thinking of coming and spending time in a city in the UK, go to the one of the ones that begin with B. You know, you've yeah. got Bristol, you've got Brighton, and you've got Bath as well. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, that's the, exactly right. Ignore London. Just <laughs> no offence, London guys. No offence. It's fine. It's just smoky, bad air. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, Bristol, absolutely fantastic city. Um, it's it's home, of course, of uh, my favourite festival in the world, Arc Tangent. Oh, so um, good, so good. Has some incredible, incredible bands yeah. that have come out of there. I've had some of my favourite gigging experiences in that town. Have some of my best friends there, and yeah. of course, you have some incredible luthiers um, that have come out of uh, of Bristol. Well, you got Mister Waghorn. Uh, Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Mr. Waghorn. And actually, my, my ex is his uh, understudy, sort of apprentice. Um, oh. And uh, yeah, you got Waghorn. There's, there's a couple of um, sort of super techie nerd fixes around, you know, hmm. uh, proper sort of men in sheds that I love taking my acoustic to when I, when I need a little tweak. And it's great. We've obviously got, it's the home of Massive Attack and Banksy and, uh, and Blackbeard the Pirate. <laughs> <laughs> Wallace, Wallace and Gromit, I think. Oh really? I think oh, so. Odd man. Well, odd man's Bristol. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, oh, there you go. I could go deeper, course, but the international listeners will uh, switch off. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And of course, uh, you know, Waghorn responsible for the Alex Hutchings. Um, well, Alex is here. Yeah, Alex is uh, Alex is down the street. Um, mm. Amazing guitar player, great guy. Yeah. We met in uh, in Norway actually at a. Uh, uh, I met him at the same time as as our mutual oh, friend Matt Knight. Matt Knight, yeah, uh, from from Boss, because uh, I flew over to do this festival in Larvik. It's called the Larvik Guitar Festival. Fantastic! They had Paul Gilbert there, Marty Friedman. For some reason, they booked me as wow. well. I don't know why, but the uh, the airline lost my guitar and all my gear. No. Yeah. Uh, so um, I was. I mean, fortunately, it was a spa hotel, so I was walking around in a dressing gown with a uh, you know Rabir and, and 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 all of that crew. Um, but um, in order to do my little set, uh, Matt and Alex kind of sorted me out with a load of boss gear to kind of wing it with. Wow. Um, and then Alex came up and joined me for a little uh, jam uh, during my workshop. So respect and shout out to Alex Hutchings and all the guys at Boss. Uh, not just yeah. amazing gear, amazing guys. And obviously Alex, absolutely world-class guitar player as well. An absolutely world-class uh, guitar player. I remember when I was uh, I was with him at Arctangent, I think I think it was in 2018 and um uh um Tosin came up to him and was like oh I really love your stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Alex was, you know, for for the rest of the day retelling that story every 10 minutes or so. <laughs> the, guy, the guy from the Bill and Ted soundtrack loves my stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um yes, let's let's uh, you know, let's let's segue now into equipment because you you have an in an incredible guitar, an incredible legacy of guitars, both acoustic and electric. And really interesting use of effects and, I guess, sounds in in many sense and pickups as well. There's so much to cover. There's so much to cover because of course you to unpack. Yeah, there's there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of unpack. I mean, I'm I'm also you know we try and have a sort of a clean rating on on this podcast, but we're absolutely not going to be able to when we no. introduce your uh, the the name of the brand of guitar that you use. Yeah, well, um, I, I, some publications won't print it, um, but um, <laughs> really, wow! Well, really as of now, so here's the thing: it's an international world, right? Yeah. We understand other languages exist, and, and, and other and words mean different things in other languages. For example, Richie Kotzen. I believe Kotzen in German means vomit, <laughs> or, or something like that. Let's see. Right? Okay. Um, now, my guitar maker, uh, or one of my guitar makers, I, I've been playing his guitar for about three or four years now, and his name's Andreas Kunz. Uh, unfortunately, Kunz is spelt with a C. Um, that would be C, U, N, and then a T and a Z. Um, and it came sort of embedded into this massive guitar case as I took it through the uh, airports in America, swiftly got told off by the TSA, and now I use a mono gig bag. But um, <laughs> amazing guitars from, from Germany in a little town just outside of Frankfurt. Uh, and I also play acoustic guitars from a, a great luthier down near your way, uh, Lewis. Yeah. Down yeah, in Lewis, which right. is just next to Brighton. Uh, it called, is, yeah, and, lovely little yeah, town. He's called Nick Benjamin, and he... Uh, He's, I've got three of his guitars, and he's Nick amazing. Nick Benjamin makes absolutely incredible stuff. Um, incredible. And I, underst- I understand your your Kuntz because you have your own signature model with with Kuntz. Well, guitars. yeah, it's a signature model, but it's a guy in a shed making it. So if he wants to stick my name on it, cool, that's it. You know, <laughs> you won't find it in stores. You'll find it on Toman, but uh, you know, unfortunately, like U.S. stores, for example, won't retail his guitars because of the name. 
Right. Um, oh, so that's a great shame because it's an incredible yeah, guitar. Yeah. So, I, I find the, the pinstripe binding on it for me oh, is absolutely gorgeous. Quilted maple, yeah, back and sides. I mean, it's it's lush. Actually, we have another one on the go. So he's actually, we're working on a little project. So maybe by the time this airs, I'll have it in my hands. We'll see. Oh, that's but um, but uh, yeah, amazing guitars. And I always support the, uh, the men in sheds because, you know, <laughs> and, and now... I will say that bigger guitar brands are now starting. I'm seeing bigger brands starting to take the fingerstyle needs and requirements very seriously. So it will be really? interesting to see where this goes in a few years' time. But for now, um, the men in sheds are the guys that get it. And um, I have very specific requirements in terms of string spacing, well, action, yeah. and pickups that I'm sure we'll get into. That, and, uh, exactly. That's they'll they'll so do exciting. it for you. Yeah, you, exactly. your, the, your, your signature model is so specific. I love that it's, it's a real signature model in the... Oh yeah. Um, there's it, no compromise. It, it, like there's zero no, compromise. No, there's zero yeah. compromise. Yeah. You've not you've not lent on anything from before. I mean except maybe the the neck profiling which I I think you you have your neck profiled the same as a, a Taylor, a specific Taylor that you used to play. Yeah. Um, yeah, my my very first acoustic guitar, I figured I like this neck, let's keep it. Uh, and uh, I I measured it exactly um and uh, and that's what Now it, obviously it's changed a little bit. Um, it was actually Nick Benjamin that changed it a little tiny really? bit, and then right. the Kunz was based on the Benjamin. So it's a little bit of sort of you know whispers, you know, like g- going through the process. But I consider it to be, um, you know, I can pick up any of my acoustic guitars, and if I if it was a blind test, um, you know, other than the the feel of the lacquer, um, there wouldn't really be much to give it away. So no, I like great. that. About, I like the consistency. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's talk about the the consignment on all the various things that you have going on there because it's also there's part part of it is is uh, a bit of a collaboration with Benjamin Guitars, right? In the in the percussive nature of it, you're sort of a, a scratch patch. Yeah, or... so the sc- <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are going deep, Joe. We are going deep. Oh, there you go. So, okay, so so the story goes that um I, I one of the players that I that got me into this style, as mentioned earlier, was a great player named Eric Roche. Now he he passed away sadly uh, many years ago, but he used to teach at the ACM in Guildford, um, which and he and one of his students there was a man named uh, Newton Faulkner, who uh, any guitar player from the UK will know as as being a big mega pop star in the of UK. Course. Great guy, amazing guitar player, and the first guy I would say arguably anywhere in the world to bring modern percussive fingerstyle absolutely. guitar into he, the mainstream in, he, he into popularized the top of the it yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. And, and and in europe and in the uk and australia he's like a household name right an amazing mm. guy and, and i will say an underrated guitar player because you know he, he he's making songs there's song craft and production in there but you hang out with him and you see him play man that guy is the real real deal shout out to to him if he's listening but Nick made his guitars. Nick made the guitars for for him. Uh, his name's Sam, so uh, Sam Newton Falconer or something. So Nick made guitars for Sam and for Eric. And um, that whole British connection of doing open mic nights led me to, hey, you sound like Eric Roche. You sound like Newton Faulkner. You should check ah, out these guitars. I see. Right. And um, and Nick had developed this way of covering up damage to the top. Because um, of course, the percussive nature of it must cause. Exactly. Now, Damage over time. I I am a feeble weed of a man, Joe, and I don't really damage guitars because I hit very lightly and like to let the pickups do the work. However, some players hit hard, right? Mm. Think of Willie Nelson. Think of think of Trigger, right? Now that there's holes and and all kinds of damage to this kind of stuff. Now, 
Nick created a little method of just sticking a little bit of spruce over the top of a hole in, I believe it was Eric's guitar, Eric Roche's guitar. And instead of letting that be, Eric would just mess with that instead and scratch it up. And what ended up happening is the, the, the hard, well, the soft parts of the wood got worn away, but the hard grain stayed and it created sort of like a guiro kind of sound, right? And that ended up becoming part of the sort of percussive guitar player's sort of arsenal. And because Nick was making me a guitar at that time, I thought, well, let's 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 stick one of those on there and see what I can do with it. And then ever since, because so many of my core compositions and arrangements have involved this, I, I have to have it on every guitar, otherwise I can't do the show, right? <laughs> right. So um, Nick, well, I, I call it a scratch pad because it's a pad that you scratch, but Nick likes to call it a scratch patch. But I think that sounds like some kind of like anti-eczema anti-inflammatory <laughs> medicinal aid um yeah something you get a dog when it's yeah got exactly yeah. okay <laughs> stop it stop it yeah so um so the little introducing scratch, scratch pad yeah, yeah but but you know what to, to go deep on the gear other guitar companies and other guitar players have, have started to put these these things on their guitar to play some of these tunes from people like myself like thomas Lieb, newton faulkner um and others however they will use any old wood now the reason that doesn't always work is because it's about the grain. Like the sound you get when you scratch it has to, I understand. you know, you so know what you I mean? So texture. with walnut, you, it doesn't really work. So, um, yes. Yeah, so, specific- so it's also, it's the texture, but it's not just that. It's the, uh, it's the grain spacing it, becomes exactly. important. Exactly. Well. All of that matters. So this is how deep we're going. We're going into the grain of a wood. <laughs> Specifically the spacing of yeah, that it's grain. The spacing between the grain. Exactly. So, so, for example, um, one thing that does work, if you're interested in trying it, is, uh, you know, I did a workshop in the Austrian Alps uh, with uh, Thomas Lieb. It was Thomas Lieb's kind of guitar boot camp. I've done a few of them. And uh, because it's in a ski chalet in Austria, there's plenty of uh, beer mats around. So all the students were picking up the beer mats and just taping them to their guitar. And just by just by flicking on the, the the rigid surface of a beer mat, you can get a passable sound to to, to use in a workshop, you know. But um, to do it properly, yeah, spruce, <laughs> uh, spruce and double sided tape. That's all you need. I get so wow. many emails. Like what? Uh, a couple, a couple of more than well. I used to be sort of every day, but you know, once every couple of days. Hey, where can I get that wood for your guitar? It's uh, from a tree, mate. Just uh, <laughs> go outside and, and get some spruce and, and stick it on the guitar. There's not 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 much else to it. And I've seen players with more pads than you use, but you just have the one fitted to the underside yeah, um, so, sort of nearer the board. So there's there's a limit to what to how I like to operate creatively. And part of that is restraint. So the, the, the way I suppose I could explain it, looking at my, my phone right now, is that I'm terrible with Photoshop, right? But I'm really quite creative with graphic design in an app. And the reason for that is the app is limiting. Uh, and it forces you to think, okay, well, how can I achieve what I want to achieve with the limited tools I have? Understand. And, and yeah. that brings me so much joy and sense of accomplishment. So the only thing that makes anything that I do on the guitar different to anything that anyone could do on any guitar off the shelf is just the little pad of wood. But that's not even necessary. That's only there to protect the top because I don't want it to get scratched up. 
You know what I mean? It's it's you could just scratch up the guitar. That's fine. It's not gonna not gonna break the thing. It's just gonna make it a little little rough in a place. So there's all these extra extensions, which all these guitar companies are coming out and and small men in sheds making these little accessories for guitar. And um, some of them I, I I've I've played with. Some of them I like. Some of them I don't. But it's all down to the individual creative task. Right now, I'm pretty happy in still exploring the core guitar and trying to still squeeze as much creative juice out of that as possible. Um, however, my next album that I'm writing in lockdown um, inevitably will have to expand upon that at some point. I have a few ideas um, that will involve a bit of drilling and a bit of this and a bit of that. <laughs> but the core show and the core message is that, you know, what I'm trying to do is just expand the possibilities of an acoustic guitar. And the moment it becomes something with a bicycle horn attached to the headstock and you've got cymbals on your back and a bass drum, you know, that then becomes a bit too much of a circus, but n not for any elitist reason, just because it's it's expanding the parameters and it makes it harder for me to be creative with limitless parameters i hope i'm making sense yes yeah yeah absolutely yeah it's just it's just yeah. a personal preference there we go summed up it's personal preference. <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of personal preference you've also gone for quite an unusual nut width because you've gone very narrow <laughs> on on the uh... <laughs> this is the best podcast i've ever done <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. with stuff, but yeah, yeah, not with. I thought was really interesting because I guess uh, you know, it's certainly for like finger style playing, you'd be looking at something maybe like. Uh, like, 40, like 46 five, or something. 46 yeah, yeah like you, you sort of would be a would be a narrow nut width but you've yeah. you've gone for i can't remember if it was 43 or 44 super narrow uh, uh it's both really so, yeah so so the benjamins are 43 and i asked andreas kunz to do 43 and he was like no this is stupid we do 44 <laughs> so i was like all right man that's fine so uh that's that's the one difference there but um i can't tell it i, I can't tell the difference really in my fingers sure. uh everything else about the neck feels identical but the reason for that is twofold first of all i have quite long slender fingers so i managed to be quite accurate and, and I, i'm okay not kind of spilling over and muting another string i think i've got a bit of an advantage because i don't have kind of stumpy sausage fingers um but um also it goes back to the first guitar and, and just having small hands and being a kid and, and handing it to people and, and saying, play this acoustic guitar because I bet you will be able to play it better than you think. For example, um, uh, on the tour bus of one of the tours with Justin a few years ago, uh, uh, Misha uh, from Periphery came onto the bus and oh, wow. played my guitar and was instantly just like, yeah, this is the easiest acoustic guitar I've ever played. Right, because it's the electric guitar player's acoustic guitar. I you know see. what I mean? If you're coming from playing a Les Paul, you're going to be able to play this guitar no problem. Because the number one complaint that I that I hear is, you know, from electric guitar players is the acoustic guitar is the hard one to play. You know what I mean? It's mm. like it's harder to play. It, it it requires you've got to squeeze more. You know you. Uh, that's that's definitely yeah. That's but then but then fair. lower your action. You know what I mean? It's like, I understand why acoustic guitars off the rack have have a reasonably high action because most guitar players want to just strum Wonderwall or whatever, right? Mm, and that sure. requires, a, you know, a, an action of a certain height to eliminate buzz. But I play very delicately and with individual fingers, individual notes, and I'm only really limited to the strength of my nails because if I, if I play too hard, my nail's going to break. 
Um, so I can get away with a lower action uh, and, and still not have any buzz. So you can be very accurate and it's just so easy to play. And then of course that opens up the door to the extended techniques like like extreme sort of tapping licks on the acoustic. You can't really do that if the action's too high. I mean, not just for the strength, but just the horrible harmonics that you get as well. Of course, yeah, you know? absolutely. So, so yeah, so there's a few reasons why the action's very low, but I, I have a truss rod with me and, and in the US, especially when you're on tour there, um, whether or not you're, I mean, if you're in a bu- if you're in a bus, then the guitar might be in the trailer, and you're going through the Arizona desert, and then you end up in like humid Seattle it, or in Montana in the winter. I did a tour, the the one tour I did this year started in Alaska in January, and it was <laughs> minus thirty nine degrees in Fairbanks. I bet you needed that that Allen key. <laughs> I really needed yeah. the Allen key, absolutely. <laughs> But, um, dude, our nose hairs froze as we left the airport. You step outside yeah. and you're, you're thinking, what's going on? And, and your nose awful. hair's frozen. <laughs> Just outrageous. But, yeah, um, yeah so, so bring a truss rod and know how to use it. That's something that, the, I mean, the listeners are clearly guitar nerds, but if you don't know how to um, adjust your action, it's something you should really learn before you start going on tour and things. Well, um, I mean, with an acoustic, it's, you know, it's obviously it's, it's it's not really just the action because you don't have a, an adjustable bridge. You've got to look at, yeah. I assume you have a very sanded uh, saddle piece. Yeah. <laughs> I have multiple saddles. Right. So I have <laughs> I a, a bunch of different saddles and, and, and sometimes if the truss rod adjustment isn't going to cut it, then I'll swap out a saddle. And, and I can only, I'm only comfortable doing that um, because my piezo is not an undersaddle transducer. It's no, of a, course. Yeah, because then you're just, if you, if you remove the saddle, you're exposing the pickup and maybe there's a bit of dust or maybe you put the other saddle in and it doesn't go flat and there's a bit of air and it changes the tone a bit. So um, I, my, my piezo is stuck under the bridge plate in the inside. So Which I, I think is much better. It's anyway. just a better tone. Um, it's just a much I, better I, tone. I completely agree. That there's so much... Uh, there's there's such a sort of a, a nasal um i don't know how to describe it like a, a really um aggressive tone that's hard to shape yeah. from from the uh, from the under saddle um piezos yeah it, it, them... it's to me it's always i've always associated it with the sound of a guitar which is just in your local guitar store and you plug in and no one really cares about the pickups it, it's yeah. it's got that quack that 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 brightness and that sort of naily kind of click to it that um that sounds a bit thin the bridge plate uh style of of piezo unit just gets rid of all that horrible harshness on the top and not only that but i find it it really um it's actually more isolated in terms of mixing a multi-pickup system because well let's let's talk about that Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 
What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Because you've got four pickups. But sorry, yeah. finish your point first. Well, no, I mean, it's a segue into what you were just about to say. I mean, you, you mentioned I have multiple pickups. And with that comes the problem of EQing the different pickups and, and, and yeah, blending them. And obviously, if you've got a piezo that's under the saddle, you're going to be picking up a lot more of the, the top of the guitar than a bridge plate pickup. I mean, it's not a huge difference, but and even the different brands of pickups I've tried, it makes enough of a difference to make it much easier to mix on stage actually yeah yeah absolutely yeah and and yeah so so four four pickups in your guitar which i which obviously is there because there are various tones you you need to isolate from the percussive nature to the to the playing but also i i imagine because you know you're in order to achieve the things that you do you have to be quite a light touch and so you you require the guitar to do more of the amplifying for you rather than your hands um right well well yeah it's um i mean uh, i guess going back to what i said anything that that you hear live which involves pickups you can do unplugged right the the goal of the pickups is to just represent what you're doing live but to more ears sure. in an instance so you're trying to keep it as um sort of natural as possible but at the same time there are some benefits to some of these pickups which can amplify your show so for example um the the main source of the sound is a mix between the piezo, which I consider to be the sort of acoustic guitar sound, right, um, and a magnetic sound hole pickup, um, which I actually developed with Damasio pickups. It's called the Black Angel, which sounds like a sort of you know D list DC superhero, but um, because of course they had the the Angel, right? Yeah, it was it yeah. was a normal Damasio pickup that yeah. you could get for a, for a long time. So the Black Angel was something you worked with them on. Yes, and actually it was a collaboration with Nick Benjamin, the aforementioned luthier, as well. Um, and what we changed about it is, first of all, it, we made it passive. Second of all, we made it black. And third of all, and most importantly, we added a phase switch to the pickup. And anyone, as I'm sure the people listening will know, once you start looking at multiple sort of audio sources, in this case, different pickups, yeah. having control over the phase is incredibly important. Well, of course, yeah. And, you're, um, you're just, you, you, you know, depending on where you are and what room you're in, you're exactly. going to lose all your low end, you know, if, it's the, if you're the, Well, in the yeah, we, we hear it as just the low end dropping out, right? So when I'm mm. on stage at every sound check, even, or if I do any messing around with the guitar or whatever... I'll 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 sound check and I'll just flick flick the phase switch and you hear either an overwhelming amount of bass, either a bass loss or everything's just right and you just got to find that balance, you know. Yeah. Um. So, but the main sound comes from there. The peripheral sounds come from an internal microphone. Um. I'm drinking coffee at the same time and I might have hiccups, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> um, an internal microphone which helps pick up the aforementioned scratch patch. And uh, the sides and the top of the guitar when you're doing the percussive stuff. But that's at a very low level because it's a mic in a box. It's it's always going to sound like a mic in a box. You want as little as you can get away with, right? Well, it's very much going to be doing the job of, you know, a, a mic. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of the name of a drum. 
<laughs> well, know, the, yeah, the, it's, uh, it's 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 like it almost sounds like the overheads just because it's all it it, right. it, it can be very harsh, and I actually have a low cut on it because oh, that's where the feedback comes from, you know. Yeah. I um, guess so. so the mic doesn't need low end because it's just picking up all of these kind of like side knocks and things like that. The real heavy, meaty percussive stuff comes from a cross between the piezo and the fourth pickup, which is, well, I call it the kick drum pickup. It's just a little contact transducer um, that is on the soundboard underneath where, if you think about the picking position of an acoustic guitar, and then you look at your picking hand, and then imagine you're on a motorbike and you rev that motorbike, the heel of your hand moves down and will connect with the top of the guitar, and right underneath there, or just off to one side, because I try to avoid direct contact, um, is is an, a, a contact transducer with a lot of low end and and you know is compressed and, and and whatever and that when you're playing through a big system that goes out to the subs and and just uh, makes it a rock show for sure. That is such a complex pickup setup for for a guitar. Like what what led you to make those decisions? Well, um, first of all, I started. Um, well, first of all, the kick drum pickup pick is 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 only necessary on my Kunz. Uh, guitar. The reason for that is we have a slightly reinforced top, so I wasn't getting enough thump out of just the piezo. On the Benjamins, I, I, I get enough thump out of the piezo channel anyway, so a three pickup system is what you can get away with. Right. That being said, when you do have that pickup, you can do some interesting routing and interesting extra stuff, you know, like you could sidechain your whole rig to the kick. Right, so oh, you could be playing awesome. electronic music, and every time you hit that kick, then you get you, <laughs> it sucks everything out. Wonderful. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, but what led me to it? Um, first of all, it was Piazzo and Mike. Um, that's right. how I started. Um, that's what Andy McKee was doing at the time. That's what everyone was doing at the time. But then I started uh, playing with the magnetic pickup because I was interested in effects like distortions and octaves, and um, you know the the OC three by Boss I've had on my rig forever. Um, the OC3 Super Octave pedal has a polyphonic r range filter on which frequencies it applies the octave to. So I can set it to just apply the frequencies of the low octave to the bottom string, more or less. I find that feature so useful. How, is it? How is it that there's no other pedals like that? It's, like, it's, it's insane. It's so it's it's so strange. The OC three gets very uh, underrated in the octave pedal market. Completely underrated. If you're doing anything think... with polyphonic music, like finger star guitar or anything, get the OC three. Like well, yeah, absolutely. And it's exactly that. You know, I see people coming up with pickups that you know just apply to your your E and your A string, or you know your two lower strings, and you know things things like that to allow you to have a bass. Yeah when you're playing guitar it's like well the oc3 does it the you oc3 pick them up second hand for about 50 quid like, exactly you know, so and actually um some of my pedals are real cheapo bits of gear not that the oc3 is a cheapo bit of gear but i do have some real cheapo bits of gear um <laughs> but uh yeah it does it the difference between having separate pickups because i do have another guitar like a, a little special build that nick built me where i do have separate piazzo uh, pickups on the bottom two strings but that allows me to do things like add a synthesizer to it uh, you know what i mean other stuff the OC3 is great. It's a stomp box on a pedal board. And when I record all my albums, I, I record the, the wet octave as well. And then we can mix that into certain sections that need a bit more oomph, right? Very good. Um, but, but, but what I'm saying is that's only receiving sound from the magnetic sound hole pickup because it's only hearing the strings. Right. If I were to send the microphone line down that to that octave, it will just be horrible. And, and the piezo, yeah. every time you do a kick drum sound or hit the top of the guitar, mm -hmm. that's going to be generating an octave tone. So, 
you know, but by having a magnetic sound hole pickup, you basically you're basically adding an electric guitar rig to your acoustic guitar rig. So there's yeah. there's distortions and other stuff. The distortion's actually an amp simulator pedal because uh, you know running a distortion straight into the PA sounds like garbage. <laughs> um, so I've got the the, uh, the Joyo American Sound uh, amp sim, which again like twenty quid or whatever, um, and no one buys it because they have amps. But guess what? I don't. <laughs> Joyo pedals are fantastic. Um, My what, sir? You know, for, for Joyo pedals, they're fantastic. Yeah, like, I, it's amazing. Like, a, for, for a, a sort of a, a relatively budget company, yeah. um, they everything they seem to put out it punches so, all, miles all, all, all above those what distortion you sounds that, that I have, even on the records, we just run it through that, that because we just really? gener- wow. yeah, we generate the cabinet and we add the amount of drive that we want. And live, I actually have a volume pedal that feeds in the amp sim to the signal. So, I can be playing a solo, and then perhaps I've got a delay after it. So I can I can be playing playing a line, and then I'll just bring in bring in the distortion, and then that'll swell into a delay, and then you're you're off playing another phrase. And this kind of ethereal fuzzy goodness is is there, you know. I imagine um, that's really useful, being able to pull the drive in and out so organically. That's another thing about the acoustic guitar rig. So. Um, you know, and I'll apply that analogy to a wah pedal, for example. You know, if you're Jimi Hendrix or if you're Kirk Hammett or one of these infamous wah people, um, you know, you're in a band. You kick that wah on. It doesn't really matter that it's going right to the top end and it's really screechy and it's a noticeable tone change because you're playing with, you know, Lars Ulrich or whoever. Um, when you're by yourself, it's all about shifting between sounds in a way that isn't jarring or off-putting to the audience. I've never thought about that, but yeah, of course you're so right. Every new sound you create, you've got to, it has to have a consistency. Yeah, one of the things that I, the the amount of nerdery that we're talking about, I think can be very well related to what I said about working within a very confined set of parameters, like an app. You know, it's like we're we're figuring out how to do the tiniest, the tiniest of tweaky details, um, which a lot of people would overlook. And, and it's the same in the playing with how you attack a note. You know, so many people overlook the attack of a note. Is it skin? Is it nail? Is it a mix? Is it, you know, is it is it, are you towards the bridge? Are you towards the neck? But um, but anyway, going back to the, the bringing in of effects, absolutely. Um, the wah thing that I was, uh, I was mentioning, the when you bring a wah in, it's a noticeable tone change, but I, I'm using the Zvex wah probe um, and you can just leave it on the circuit all the time. And as you just walk up to it, it brings in the wah from a relatively neutral kind of pitch, right? Yeah. Um, so so it's not, so you bring in the wah sound and actually on the live record on Chosen Distancing, there's a cut of me doing, I think it's Superstition, uh, Stevie Wonder at the Iridium from like 2015. And I do a little like solo and the wah comes in, but it's, I don't know, I'm just happy with the tone. You know what I so mean? It's it's not kicking on a crybaby. Yeah, and well, that's yeah, the Zvex Wah probe, which I highly rate because it's 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 well, a, the, pro- the probe is fantastic because yeah. of course it works in such a unique way because it's it's it works with a theremin style um, a, a proxy circuit that's exactly rather than it, it being yeah. uh, rather than it being rather than you having to stamp it on with a crybaby, which puts you in a certain position as exactly. soon as you've stamped it. Yeah, yeah. The um the, that that's a wonderful. Thing about the probe, I didn't realize you used a probe. A, a massively underrated, massively wah underrated. Pedal. Um, it's not on my board right now, but that's because the songs that I used it on what weren't in the last set. You know what I mean? Ah, I have I limited see. board space, so between tours, I'll just kind of like put on the pedals that I'm going to use on that tour. 
Um, <laughs> yes. So oh, another one is like I'll, a one tour I did. I had an additional volume pedal just with a mini Hall of Fame, which just had right. an all wet, mega bright uh, kind of plate reverb thing, mm. and in order to emphasize certain strikes or hits, I just kick on the, and quickly kick on and kick off this volume pedal, and it would kind of send it off into oblivion. That's a great um, idea. That's a great idea. And actually, the Hall of Fame Mini, um, kind of a really good choice that I feel TC made with brilliant that. Choice. Like making a reverb pedal that literally just has a, essentially a, a mix control almost. Exactly. Like, you know, Amazing. They, and you can control the parameters, you know, when you, you, you plug it in. Yeah, exactly. Everything. Thanks to thanks to Tone Print. Because, of course, the Hall of Fame 2 is a reverb pedal that's kind of always on on your board. Um, and you use the use the modulation preset on the on the Hall of Fame too. Yeah. So, um, Joe, you have done your research, my friend. You're great. Let's have a beer one day. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so the Hall of Fame has always been a staple because of the tone print functionality and how you can always be you can be changing and adapting the the tones like every so often and, and it stays it, it's a fresh pedal it's always exciting and it's always inspiring do you, do you have a tone print with tc i do yeah that? so oh, awesome so basically i i was using the mod well i do use the modulation setting for most of the songs but then we we had a show in randers denmark which is basically where they are or near where they are and um mm. i remember that day because infinity war came out the same night and right, me and okay. me and chris and, and the guitar tech and james the lighting guy we went to see it in danish and that's how we define things now is in marvel movies I understand. Yeah, yeah i mean they're very important <laughs> things in my life to be honest um yeah. and you know seeing one of the most anticipated movies of all time in danish was <laughs> quite bizarre that, if not for the price an of admission slightly <laughs> but <laughs> but uh but yeah we did a we did a preset that is called the old hall and it's it's okay. uh, it, it's basically a, a hybrid of the shimmer and the modulation stuff. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, and then when you squeeze the squeeze the little button, it, it goes super dark the and ghoulish. Control. Yeah, I have a song called "The Old Room," which was on that tour in that set, and it's um, uh -huh. it has a moment towards the end where you want to be doing those swells, and and, it, and it's a very ethereal piece that I was using the sh shimmer kind of circuit um for, but now we use the old hall, so that's available on the tone print. It's not a store, is it? It's just an app. No, it's, it's just it's, it's just, just an app. Yeah, yeah. you can yeah. you can get that. Yeah, sounds absolutely. wicked on electric guitar as well. By the way, if you're into into the ambient sort of Sigur Ross vibes, um, yeah, check out the old Hall Tone Print. It's uh, it's a good one. Yeah, they they are. Um, yeah, they're they're incredible. I, I have so much time for the Tone Print stuff. Yeah, they're great guys uh, as well. They are absolutely. Of course, I also have Tone Prints on there. Not ah, that I, I don't fantastic. think anyone anyone's ever 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 downloaded mine. I'm going to download know, it after this. What's it called? Well, it's mine's for the Shaker Vibrato. I'm afraid I'm a I am a massive uh, vibrato fan. Oh, right uh, on. Sort of extreme vibrato fan. So I have a I have one called Inky Vibe because nice. believe it or not, the scale that you can go to on on a vibrato is ridiculous. So yeah, you know, yeah. when the standard vibrato is, has a very narrow kind of field. Uh, of you know vibratoing whereas tc and actually on the the way that you build a tone print as i'm sure you know you've seen you you can the naught to 100 percent of every parameter is so much more than what they actually give you insight to on the standard oh, yeah. pedals oh, yeah. so i was able to create these vibrato tones that are that are more synthesizer than vibrato and just uh 
moving every I was able to make it so everything goes completely out of tune so you can adjust on the sense so so that I was never actually hitting a full note so it sounds horrible and awkward and I'm very much into that I'm a, excellent a big sort of a- anti uh, so when you, you know, hold the hold notes. the button down it goes extra yeah. extra crazy yeah. 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 yeah but just goes extreme and absolutely there's no way that you can make it sound good it will sound off with anything you do and I that was why I wanted to create I was very very happy with that but anyway you know sorry side tangent about how excited I am about tone print i'm really glad that you've got one that you can download i mean most listeners i assume will have a hall of fame too too it's a it's a hundred pound pedal that sounds absolutely incredible without a doubt the most affordable shimmer reverb that sounds fantastic that you can get you know yeah uh... i mean and also for the for the touring uh community tc is really good because pretty much every guitar tech knows the pedals really well and also they're compact and they're stereo. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. The, this A compact stereo reverb. Yeah, fantastic. I'll take that every time. That's, the, dude, that's, that, that's my thing. Is like, how small is it and is it stereo? <laughs> <laughs> like, the tone can come later. Like... <laughs> Yeah. will it fit on my board like is it is it or is it going to push me into excess baggage territory you know ah, there you go. yes traveling light i imagine is important when you're touring with someone with 20 guitars or whatever yeah <laughs> it's it's crazy he like w- w- on the justin hayward tours he has so much uh gear and i have one acoustic uh the electric lives in nashville so that just turns up at the venue and oh, really? like and my, my backline is my suitcase which is i bring my pedal board with me in my suitcase wrapped in my clothes and uh and that's it so my back line is just like and and the pedal board isn't even a pedal board it's just like a plank of wood that's just painted black it's just yeah. i mean anderton's uh and i did a, a captain meets thing with lee and and he, he was just so like shocked by how shit it looked yeah but it's amazing i did it with my dad you know what i mean it's like proper grassroots stuff you know and, and it's, it's if my dad's listening it's not bad uh... it is really good but the whole point is you know to 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 do like a tour with someone who sold like 70 million records and have him look over and it's just like a bit of plywood it's just funny you know and he loves it you know it's like great <laughs> It is just ply with Velcro on it, just a flat piece plywood of plywood covered in Velcro. That's it, man. And um, that being said, I I am going to rebuild the board and get a. I was. Oh, what's the name of the? Have you thought guy? about a brand? What brand would you go to? Oh, for it was. A, I, I messaged him. It was a guy because I was talking to Justin Alder and Ash. Uh, it was, okay. I think he made one for beer. And it's like uh, they're, ooh, they're super um, crazy, stylish. Schmitteray, Schmitteray. Yes. Rabia's got several, so that's it, the one. Yeah. Schmitteray is the one. Yeah. So we started yes. talking. Rabia is a fantastic. We started talking, and then coronavirus happened. Um, ah. But uh, but yeah, that's because I'm planning on when I do go back on the road to 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 work to bring multiple guitars, and that requires. Uh, a few more bells and whistles that would take me into Schmidt Array territory for sure. Well, they are, they are very expensive, the Schmidt Array boards, but they are incredibly good. As a, it's as all right, a, Joe. You yeah. can give me a discount, can't you, Joe? <laughs> of course, <laughs> I I know them well. But um, the on on the you know on sort of that note, you know, of you moving on to more guitars. Currently, when you tour, you tour with one, hmm. but you you use a lot of tunings. Um, yeah. It's, which, it's, which it's means so you dumb. have to switch between that and them <laughs> live, which is, uh, I think, I think it's incredible. A that you do that with one guitar, you know. B with one set of strings, considering what you do, and we'll talk about the tunings and, and yeah. the strings, obviously. But I think this is so fun. 
it's it's testament testament to the the strings that you've chosen. Absolutely, there's as, a lot of thought well, gone that into you that. Can... A lot of thought gone into. It. Yeah. So so let's let's talk about that. Let's first of all, I guess, let's talk about the strings. You use what do you use? You use thirteens, right? But it's so, a it's a very specific gauge. Yeah. So there's two different things. So first of all, on record, um, I will get strings that are suitable for the tuning I'm in. So if I have a a tune that has a uh, say the bottom strings tuned down to B, then I'll get a fifty nine for it. You know, if the top string's tuned down to D, it'll be a 13. If it's to E, it'll be a 12, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's pretty well calculated um, on the records. Now, live, obviously, I can't do that. Um, and what I do is I have a dadgad set. So that right. would be from top to bottom, 13, 17, 24, 32, 42, 56. So you've, ba you've basically got a set of lights on the A, D, and G strings and a set of mediums on the E and B strings. Right. Um, and the reason that's the case is because I find that that's as in the middle of what I do as it can be, right? It's common ground. I have a lot of songs in Dadgad, but standard tuning isn't a stretch. I go higher, so tuning up to standard tuning on a few strings, but then I, I tune lower for a lot of songs as well. So it works, and I've got into the habit of that being what's under the fingers. Um, now, with regards to being able to do a show with one guitar and lots of different tunings, um, uh, if, if anyone's listening who is, you know, I presume you have a lot of listeners on this podcast. I presume some of them will be young musicians, maybe starting out and, and figuring out what to do. Um, you know, having that, those limitations, again, going back to the app analogy, um, teaches you how to deal with crowd control and how to like do a show um you know i grew up playing open mic nights in sort of guildford at bars and you've got to reach the guy who's drunk at the back of the room you know um, so what you're saying is banter becomes as banter important is yeah, for, yeah. Well, for my show so you know i've I'm talking at a million miles a minute because I've had a couple of coffees, so I must apologise if, if people can't understand me or if I'm That's talking for, for too long. Um, but, um, yeah, so I my, my shows aren't just the music. The shows are also the 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 humour and the banter and, and, and the crowd work that it happens in between the songs and even in the middle of the songs. You know, on the live album on Shows and Distancing, out next week, um, there's moments where the crowd are instructed to all yell the word cheeseburgers in the middle of a song. You know what I mean? Just just <laughs> completely ridiculous things that one doesn't associate with acoustic music and, and, and that kind of culture. Um, and a lot of the banter is included on the record as well. And I wanted to do that. That's because, great. Yeah, but I wanted to do that because that's what I love. Like when I go and see a band, I love, like I think Devin Townsend is a great example of the banter and the humour and the rapport that you can have with the audience that makes it just as thrilling or it raises the level of entertainment and value for the live experience. And seeing as we're in this environment with no live shows, I wanted to make this record as live as possible. So there's a lot of, I mean, I I think, you know, I mean, there's, I'll, I'll start talking about Brexit in the middle of a song on this album. You know what I mean? There's just <laughs> things that you one shouldn't do. But all of this helps with the transitions between the songs and uh, and things like that. And, uh, yeah, that was very much something which uh, was was taught to me through playing in bars and, 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 and dealing with drunks and things like that. I'd recommend to anyone starting out, go and play in a bar and try and learn how to deal with hecklers. It's great. And I guess you need you need all that time anyway to, re <laughs> to retune in between. 
That's the thing. Yeah, you've got to have... Yeah. And so some songs, if it's a particularly emotional song or, or a song that means a lot to you, you can express that and it gives you time to talk about it, you know? Um, and you can good. tell a story, tell a lead-up. But also you have to have stuff prepared for the inevitable string break. You know, <laughs> yeah, if, if you break sure. a string, then guess what? You're stood up there and there's all these eyes on you and you've broken a string. And you don't have a guitar tech because it's a solo tour or grassroots, you know, acoustic club thing. So you're there changing a string. What are you going to do? Well, you you've got to have some stuff in the uh, in the back of your mind just to talk about and things you can do. Um, my friend Petri Sariola, one of my 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 best guitar mates and and a fellow Kunz guitars in Dorsey, absolute incredible guitar player, one of my favorites in the world ever. Um, I saw him break a string at a show we did together in Germany in uh, in Kunz's hometown actually, where he broke a string. And he got the whole crowd to do a freestyle rap with him as he was changing the string. And it was electric, you know. He was saying, he was, everyone was clapping and stomping their feet. And he was saying, you know, like, it's going through the hole, everybody. It's going through the hole. And it's like, as he's doing it, and then he's tuning up. And then the, then it hits the, the four beat, down comes the snare, here comes the one. And then he's into the next song, you know. It is, that it kind is of very stuff. cool when someone can do that. Yeah, th I mean, that's that's the stuff that I love about the acoustic scene, man. It's, it's you you... It's like, it's live, you know. It's what I miss so much in this pandemic. Like anything can happen. It's not a, it's not sure. on tracks. You're not going to see a band play your songs that sound just like the album, and it's, you know, all these extra layers of vocals and synths in the background. It's all on a click track in the drummer's ear. If he's out of time, he's out of time. If he breaks a string, he breaks a string. But if he's good at his job, you'll have a good time and you'll go home, kind of saying, hey, that was a cool experience, uh, very unique. Uh, Hopefully you bought a CD and jobs are good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and do, you know, I uh, I guess on the on the tuning front, um, do you find the fact that you that you pick lightly um, helps because you down tune a lot for the gauge string the gauge strings that you play? Correct. Um, yeah. Um, so there are some songs that only really work with a big PA and that kind of OC3 addition to sort of, uh -huh. it sort of somehow stabilizes that really low stuff. I see. Um, but yeah, so tuning, so I have a 56 on the bottom and I have a few songs where I tune down to A and that sucks. Yeah, that's that's got to be tricky. But you know, the cunts makes it work. Right. Like seriously, well, it's easier on that guitar than others and there's something about it i mean the, the other thing is yeah it's the picking obviously you, you've got to pick lighter um and it's also how that particular string is built into the arrangement you know well do you, you think the headstock makes it, it is helps exactly. with that because on the kunz it's you it's, it's completely straight right it there's is. no angles on the strings at all yeah so that was intentional that's a design by him so the strings don't break at the nut they just keep going straight until they reach the the pole pieces and that's part of the signature of his design and that that does help with these lower tunings a bit you know the the bottom string that we were talking about it has it doesn't travel very far it's one of the first pole pieces it meets there's of not course, really yeah. a big break intention on that one but um it's it's you know if you say you play with the bottom string tuned to a um, how much it goes sharp will dictate on how you're picking it and how you're attacking well, it. So you're not course. strumming. You're 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 picking it as its own bass note and you're applying your own pressure and things like that. So it's the arrangement is a big part of it, and that's also, by the way, um, a big part of 
uh, how effective the OC3 will be at, at actually functioning is is how you're actually picking the node. As anyone who's played with with MIDI pickups will know, Ooh, you know, yeah, you, you, you will have to bear in bear, bear in mind uh, potentially making adjustments to how you play. Um, yeah, absolutely. To, to, to an extent, for sure. Took me the longest time to work that out that it wasn't <laughs> the pedal. Uh, you know, with Octavius, it was yeah. that I was heavy-handed. I was like, well, this doesn't track at all. And it's like, it's not that it doesn't track, it's that I'm yamming the string. And, you know, it's, it's of course, yeah, fluctuating Yeah, and, and, and there's, some, there's some unfortunate things that happen if uh, if you choose not to sort of compress the signal. Like, sometimes the octave will spit out a really high, strong, powerful note on right. a fretted note on, say, the second or third fret. But when you play open, it won't really do anything and obviously if you're if you're even lower than a note you don't want that to lose power so that's when a little bit of compression and cut really helps um so i i actually run all my pickups into a mixing desk first and then each effects pedal kind of has its own circuit and that's uh and its own channel and that's something that i picked up from the aforementioned uh petri sariola so uh, he's come from the production background as much as the guitar playing background and uh, so you, you don't use a separate compressor as such it's built into the uh bose t1 mixer that i use Oh, okay yeah right. so so the octave pedal and the the amp sim and all of that stuff ha- have their own channels and there's each channel has you know three three band parametric eq three band eq um compression noise gate uh etc etc oh i see i understand i would have uh because compression tends to be so in such a such a fundamentally important element yeah. when it comes to the sort of style that you have. Um, I would have expected you to be sort of... Uh, Not have something so right. shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is exactly what I was trying to say nicely. I was. I would expect you to be representing someone like Origin Effects or, yeah. you know, like some incredible multi-band compressor yeah, based yeah. on a Neve desk compressor. But it's a... Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, well, there's a couple of reasons compressor. for that. Uh, and uh, one of them is that, you know, the, 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 the music that I'm playing on these tours is so um, exposed and delicate that you don't want to yeah. apply too much compression to anything. The only I, compression okay. that I have is, is, is it's so subtle, you know. Um, and the second reason, of course, is, well, uh, space on the board and, and, and extra stuff. But uh, realistically, it's just uh, if you find something that works, then you, you, you learn to play with that. And, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It becomes it becomes habit. But um, I certainly have uh, experienced hearing bad compression from from other artists before. But um, I think the secret is just to dial it down, you know, dial it back and keep it keep it as raw as possible. With yeah, the it's always about the blend with compression. It's always about blending. Yeah, and every with, song's different you know, as well. Videos. I mean, if you're hammering a if you're hammering a, a big pop strummy song, uh, you're gonna want a bit more. But if you're doing a fingerstyle seven minute Celtic ballad. Um, then you know perhaps he's off I did a show in California um, it was this okay I've played this venue three times um, it's somewhere in Northern California I won't name it but right. um, each time I don't know if they had the same in-house guy but each time there'd be some horrible like oh, noise no. gate that he would just like put on my my channel so I, I remember I was playing oh. this aforementioned seven-minute Celtic ballad, and it was just this pin-drop moment, and I was I was stoked on the playing. I felt like I'd created a nice atmosphere, and I hold the penultimate chord before it resolves to the root, and just as that's being held, oh no, uh, 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 the noise gate kicks in, and this kind of staggered, gross thing, and and yeah, so. Y- y- 
lesson learnt, you know, uh, less is more <laughs> when it comes to that kind of processing, I suppose. Well, speaking speaking about Celtic music, you've actually you, you've written uh, articles. I, I I can't remember which magazine for, but you've written uh, articles on Celtic music's influence on on your playing style. Um, uh, for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, the the main thing. Uh, I mean, I guess as as I mentioned, my mum was really into that sort of stuff, so it was always around the house. But um, I, to be honest, when I was at university, I was more into seeing bands like Flogging Molly and like Dropkick Murphys and things like that. Uh, <laughs> but um, really, Tony McManus, his playing was a really big influence on me, and he's he's sort of the Celtic guitar player. Um, so I, I transcribed a few of his tunes. Uh, ironically, on YouTube, you could find it in the dregs of YouTube. I did a an arrangement of one of his arrangements of of a, a Charlie Mingus thing, um, but um, that's not particularly Celtic, of course. Um, and then, of course, there's John Renborn and Robin Williamson and that kind of thing. I had the good the, the pleasure of being able to open for John Renborn uh, before he passed away. Um, so yeah, it was sort of very much that, and you combine it with the West Country, which is where we are, Bristol, Bath, that kind of area. There's a lot of that kind of music in the area, um, so it kind of permeates the culture. We have Glastonbury Festival down the road, and there's there's that kind of folksy kind of scene around here, you know. Of course, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, if anyone's interested in in Celtic guitar playing, please do check out Tony McManus. He is the undisputed king of Celtic fingerstyle guitar. Mm, absolutely. Um, bring it back to tuning very briefly, just because a, a question that I didn't manage to get in. Have you yeah. ever have you ever experimented? I ask a lot of people this. Uh, have you ever exper- experimented with new standard tuning? Just uh, I have not. Yeah. No. no, there you go. Should I? No, no. Well, you know, that's the the tuning that that I use. You would be the first person ever who's been like, oh yeah, new standard tuning. You know, <laughs> whenever it comes up, so so you know, don't 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 worry. It's uh, it's Robert Fripp from Ah, uh, oh, in, okay, in, of course. In my opinion, the most important band of all time. But well, it's and, his and, tuning and, and my girlfriend's the tuning opinion. I use. And my oh, girlfriend's well, there you opinion. go. You there know you what? We 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 we're really enjoying um, throughout lockdown. Robert Fripp and his wife. Oh have my been goodness! Doing their little, their little videos. Their videos. Their un. Their absolute listener. If you haven't seen these, I don't think we've mentioned them <laughs> on the podcast. You know, all of my band are, are big uh, fans, and we've been sort of sharing these videos yeah. amongst ourselves every day. And it's just, it's so wonderfully. You know, they they because he released he was releasing a track a week as well for the first oh, really? two months, wow. I think, as well, just on YouTube. He just right, released right. them on YouTube. But, I mean, uh, it's so wholesome, isn't it? It's, well, it's just you know him dressed in, in uh, as a as a bee uh, <laughs> with his with his wife running around his garden in a bee outfit, and the guy yeah. is Toyo, he's eighty one, right? Yeah, Toya yeah, Wilcox yeah, yeah, yeah. is his wife. Yeah, but I think he's eighty one now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> he's completely mad just an and, absolute, and fantastic absolute legend um yeah that that's that's wholesome yeah my no my girlfriend's really into king crimson and uh, oh, uh you know uh, but uh but no i haven't um the tunings that that i use kind of started with dadgad and then evolved into variations and then from there evolved into um a few other weird uh tunings one of which was just based on happenstance i just changed the guitar strings and they just went like that oh really uh, yeah. oh that's I, wonderfully like organic five, yeah i've got like five tunes in that tuning now and and I'm super... have you named that tuning or i haven't i know other people you need have to name used it. it i know you other need people, to name it i know michael hedges used it just by coincidence oh, um but um yeah it was yeah 
Well, you can name it. We we can call it okay. We'll call it new new standard tuning. <laughs> oh, there you go. Okay. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, someone actually did rename uh, Robert Fripp's uh, new standard tuning. It's also called guitar craft tuning. Okay, because there was a there was a, a classical guitarist that was using it uh, slightly before. Uh, that's um, the thing I mean if you look him, deep yeah. enough someone's done everyone's done yeah. something well, you know exactly. before more or less but no this um, for anyone interested in trying it by the way the tune that I kind of yes yeah what is the was, tuning well I'm going to write it down Hold I on. discovered it yeah so so I was changing the strings and I, I I thought I'd finished recording my second album and then I changed the strings after the last session and then these two extra songs just came out of me after I uh, found this tuning, uh, which made it onto the record. But it's C sharp, uh, G sharp. So you have the fifth in the bottom, um, and then it's D sharp E. So you've got a semitone in the middle between the, the D and G strings, right. and then okay. B E on the top. So um, yeah, you get these really. If you're playing in the key of C sharp minor or G sharp minor, you get these really cool little little licks and runs between the. Uh, you know those, those 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 strings in the middle uh, that are a semitone apart. It's really cool. Um, yeah, I've got a bunch of tunes in that. Um, yeah, one's called Reverie. One's called The Old Room. In fact, yeah, that's the one with the TC Electronic uh, Hall of Fame tuning uh, tone oh, print wow. rather. Yeah, it's a cool one. I recommend people try it out. It, it, it makes you look at the guitar totally differently for sure because none of your shapes will work. Well, uh, this is it. This yeah. is something we've spoken about on the on the podcast before. The other the other three hosts are, are staunch four forty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, well, sort of I mean, I'm I'm still but... four forty, like you know. But uh, yeah, uh, it's it's nice, man. It's it's just I like having a fifth in the bottom because it gives me some kind of one finger power chord ability that just helps thicken things up. You know, absolutely. Um, yeah. So um, I say like eighty percent of my songs have a fifth in the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 super cool. Um, you know, before and because you know we, we we will need to round this up shortly, but we we haven't spoken yet about uh, about Tonewood. Um, ah, yes. Which is which is the I, best I think, people and the best device in the world. I I think this it's an absolutely fantastic device. So t- tell us about it for listeners who aren't aware of the Tonewood amp. Okay, so. This thing is called the Tonewood Amp. It's not got any wood on it, and it's not really an amp. Um, so that, I'll start with that. Um, electric guitar players get all these toys and all this fun stuff to play with. But um, acoustic guitarists, I suppose, have often been left behind because all an acoustic guitar player really needs is just a nice-sounding room. Um, so they kind of started there. So it's a husband and wife, Ofer and Helene Webman, are based out of Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, they came up with this concept of this effects processor, this really small, relatively small effects processor, about the size of like a MXR sort of 10-band EQ, a little bit smaller than that. Um, it sticks to the back of your acoustic guitar via magnets, so it doesn't damage the guitar with tape or glue or anything like that. And then it takes the sound from your guitar's pickup, say a piezo pickup or whatever, and it vibrates the back of your guitar so that reverb comes out of your sound hole and into the ears of the listener, which sounds like wizards. And I think it is wizards, but <laughs> I had to do an NDA, so no comment on the wizards. But um, uh, not only is there reverb, there's, well, there's three different types of reverb. There's also delay, chorus, you know, tremolo, wah-wah, overdrive, all these effects in this unit, but it all comes out organically through the guitar's sound hole. So, the cool so you thing, can you, walk around your house playing. Oh, yeah. So say you've got a room in your house that you love playing acoustic in, like your bathroom, 
You can take the bathroom any, anywhere you go. You can use the bathroom and anywhere in your house, Joe. <laughs> if you need to use the bathroom, you can do it anywhere now. And it, it's really honestly amazing. Like I've done a lot of things online talking about this because it's really that life-changing. I mean, my whole second album was composed with it. I, really? Yeah. I, 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 wow. I, and even now, like I don't get inspired by playing the acoustic guitar unless I have the tone wood on it because it instantly puts you into a hall. It's... It's amazing. It's it's I, it's. I liken it to playing electric guitar without the guitar being plugged in. That's really the best analogy. I imagine. Does do you feel that it enhanced the percussive nature of it a bit more? Because I I can imagine you know not being able to do any of that, but I imagine that the percussive nature of playing acoustic guitar can be a little dead before you've got you well, know, some uh, no, reverb behind I, it. The thing, I mean, yes, uh, to answer the question simply, but the thing that it really inspires me to do is to play less Re- uh, yes of course you know Reverb because, always does. Yeah, yeah, because suddenly the second instrument in your band is the ambience right and absolutely. that's why these songs that i have and on on the live album that i have they're all live so they're not using the tonewood amp because i'm plugged into my pedal board because it's coming through the pa you can do that with the tonewood amp by the way but because i you know i have four pickups it, it's complicated of course um you know it's uh, these songs are written with it. I have a song called Reverie that's on the live record. Uh, or, um, the older, what, what am I talking about? Any song that was from the second record, I composed with it. And uh, yeah, it's it's just I'm, I'm sort of sort of a little emotional talking about it because it just changed everything. Like it really wow. did. Um, I was not inspired by the acoustic guitar until I put that on, and and because it's a magnetic thing, I can have one tone with amp and I can just put it in any of my guitars or on any of my guitars. Yeah. It's not like a built-in thing. It doesn't damage the construction of your prized guitar. You have to put a little magnetic ace- X brace inside it. but it Which comes with it. Yeah, which comes with it. But you can just take it out again. It's not a, not a, not a big deal. Um, so yeah, it's just cool. But but you then you can experiment with it. So I did a... Uh, I think there's a video of me on YouTube with this musician, Jake Allen, a buddy of mine. And we were at an Airbnb sort of working with Timewood Amp. So they put us in an Airbnb together in Nashville. And we we had some beers and we ended up running my Timewood Amp from his guitar. And then his guitar from my Timewood Amp. So basically every time he played a note, I would have his delay coming out of my sound hole. And every time I would play a chord, he'd have my reverb coming out of his sound. So, you know, there's a lot of creative potential there. But um you know, I, anyone that has an acoustic guitar, you need this in your life. And, and I I say that wholeheartedly. Um, and also going back to my whole man in shed thing, if I see someone doing something cool and they're not a big, massive company, like all the more power to them, like go support those guys, especially yeah. like now during the pandemic. They've created and- something that's changed the world. And when it came out, it won all the awards in the magazines, didn't it? It was like platinum award here, gold award well, there. Absolutely. And and it's you're looking at you know listener if you're not aware of Tonewood Amp, then you know you're you're looking at just over two hundred pounds yeah. for, for the unit. Yeah. It's available worldwide. In fact, so, you know, I probably shouldn't say this, but if you go on my website or Instagram, there's a link which is a little bit of a discount. Oh well, there you go, there you go, listener. Check it, check it out. Um, if if you if you would. You know, like to get involved in Tonewood Amp. You know, it, it, what they make is absolutely fantastic. You know, I myself have been a, a fan of something. This is right up my street because I, you know, I uh, recently, I, about a year ago, got hold of a, a Yamaha 
um, one of their trans acoustics. Yes. Um, which yes. which features a, a mechanical yes. built-in reverb and chorus. Yes. Um, I wonder whose idea that was. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Man yes. In I the wonder sheds. if they. Well, exactly. Yes, you're absolutely right. I'm I'm currently representing the big. I do not represent sheds. guitar nerds, and what I say is not. No, representative. no, no, no. I'm, I'm fine with that. Forget the uh, forget the Yamaha uh, uh, series. Go out and get yourself a Tomoe. It actually means you can you can play your own own guitar. So well, uh, well, that's right, the thing, isn't it? I mean, they're two completely different products. One of them, it that is the guitar. And the thing I like about the Tone Down is that I have four acoustic guitars in this, no, five acoustic guitars in this house. And right now I've got one Tone Down that's fully charged, fully loaded, and I can just stick it on any of them. There you go. Yeah, that, that you know, makes all the difference, doesn't it? Rather than having to own <laughs> sort of four or five of the uh, of the Yamahas that would do but, that you know, same thing. Maybe so. you just want one guitar. I don't know, man. It, 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 to each their own. But uh, definitely, you know, if you're going to take one thing away from this uh this guitar nerds podcast it is by my album no i'm joking it's, <laughs> <laughs> check out time with that really uh, best people best product yes yeah well we are we are actually that is about all the time we have for this week's episode of the friday special so it's been absolutely uh, wonderful having you on mike thank you oh. very much for taking the time to chat with me joe it's been a pleasure great to meet you and thanks for thanks for having me on i wish everyone listening all the best yeah yeah uh, absolutely and dear listener of course i thoroughly recommend of course you know oh mike Dawes music and you'll be aware that his record is coming out but if by any chance you aren't you know go and check check it out and of course you you're doing this uh, this live show very shortly after this is what what date was the is yeah, the, the uh, live streaming show november the first and it'll be around nine i think it's 9 p.m gmt because uh we will be in gmt then um uh, and yeah just uh, if you head to mikedoors.com all the info's there and uh, i'll be using the tone down a bunch as well yeah, fantastic there you go so you can of course catch more guitar nerds over on patreon at patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds or you can join us on any of the major social platforms with at guitar nerds and we'll be back next week uh, with our regular episode on wednesday and another friday special on friday we'll catch you then for more of this guitar nerdery farewell Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.